Today's special episode is about something I'll bet most of you have never heard of. It's a term called neurosculpting. I met Mariah Ellert with the Rebel Brain at a Women of Denver meeting, and the words Rebel Brain caught my attention because if you've sat in any of my life strategy design classes or under my coaching, you know that I'm a nut for brain science because I think everything is explainable through the way we're made. And a lot of the things that we do that confuse us are a product of how our brains are wired. And what many of us haven't quite figured out yet is that we can rewire our brains. I'm a big fan of neuroscience that proves that. So when Mariah announced this neurosculpting workshop on March 7th, I said, sign me up and how can I help? I want to promote it and I want to be there. So I'm going to be presenting a little bit on life strategy design, which basically means now that I have this information, what am I going to do to put it to work in my life so that I can get the outcomes that I have in mind? And so I'm sharing this story with you to give you a peek into the creator's head on why this class on neurosculpting is taking place to celebrate the Week of Women in March. Please listen in and sign up. We'd love to have you. I'm happy to have Mariah Ellert on the show today who has captivated me with the concept of neurosculpting, which is not your own creation, Mariah. You were 20 years in Wall Street, and then an event happened in your life that led you to seek a way of, of bringing yourself back down from a period of stress that was just impossible. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and the event that that brought you into the awareness of neurosculpting? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. I um, I came across neurosculpting first from an academic point. So I was in um, I was working on getting a master's in nutrition therapy, and I just totally absolutely love this gut brain connection and how our how our gut biome and our what we eat actually affects our brain chemistry and that led me into um, to meet Lisa Weinberger, the founder of Neurosculpting, and then start taking classes from her. And I kind of put it on a back burner because I was in the middle of school and getting a lot of things done and also you're working full time. while you're working. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there was only so much room. And I think there was a couple of puppies in there too. God only knows. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I, so I, I was led to neurosculpting uh, academically initially, and then I had some pretty big family trauma hit me, and my father yeah. went missing in another country, wow. and that was, that was a major, major hit by life, I guess you could call it, uh, yeah. where I, and I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the tools to navigate it. I didn't know how to regulate my stress response, which at that time was, was pretty out of control. You know, my if you had seen a picture of me from back then, like my face was swollen, everything was inflamed. I had this chronic, um, basically like a chronic level of anxiety and stress going on at all times. Wow. Yeah. Boy, and so that was an indicator that there is definitely something um, askew. And uh, you told me that your father was never found, right? Yeah, correct. So, so you had to figure out how to go on with life. Yeah, I had to figure out how to continue going on, but also how to do it with the ambiguity yeah. of that situation. Because 
one thing I learned later or kind of during that process is that our brains, they like, they like things to be figured out and solved. They like predictability because uh -huh. that gives us a sense of safety so that stress, yeah, that stress part of our brain can calm down and not have to worry about fighting some physical threat. And um, right. yeah, so I, it, it, it was really, that was probably one of the most challenging things because it gave me nightmares and I would wake up just, I, I couldn't sleep. I would have this, these, you know, variations on this recurring nightmare. And um, the Neurosculpting Institute, uh, Lisa called me in and she said, you know, I can help you with this. So I went in and I got, she gave me some tools that helped me immediately downregulate some of that stress and, you know, things that I could do like shaking, super simple, just shaking our whole body to release stress. But what it also does is it interrupts thought patterns. Yeah. So in the middle of the night, when I'm having this nightmare, I was able to just, you know, get up and do a full body shake. Just and shake, shake it off. Just Dogs literally. do this. Wolves do it. Why exactly. Do it? Yeah. To right. shake it off. And I was able to get back to sleep. Wow. So that's where I kind of went, wait, there's something here. And then just started taking more classes and more classes. And then of course, you know, life kept hitting me with more things um, as life tends to do. <laughs> and I got through them because I had these tools, you know, I was able to, you know, just take those, take those speed bumps and roll with them instead of get completely contracted and inflamed and, you know, stay in that, that stay, that space of stress and anxiety. And instead of staying there, I was able to move through it. You know, it's amazing, Mariah, as you tell your story, I think of how many people I've encountered over the years who have had something happen to them and they end up in a state of illness or inflammation and they stay there as if it's a, a life sentence. Yeah. What is it that you think pulled you out of that? <clears throat> I think what pulled me out was that I have always had a desire to, for more, you know, that, that feeling of your potential Yeah. and knowing that you have more to give, you have more out there to learn, to live. And I wasn't going to settle for, for feeling sick and miserable all the time. And I knew I wanted to feel good. I wanted to feel alive. Yeah. And I looked, around me, or even, you know, back then I looked around me and I've seen people, so I've had surgery in both my knees. Mm -hmm. And I always think of this example because I know people that had, you know, there's like the uh, ligament tear surgery, um, your ACL and then your meniscus tear. And I had both of them. Wow. And then I had like no ligament in either knee. So both knees were pretty much out. Wow. And I remember this friend of mine at the time who had just the meniscus tear, and that's a much simpler, uh, faster recovery than yeah. an ACL tear, um, surgery-wise. The um, pain-wise, it's almost the opposite outside of the surgery. <laughs> that aside. Um, and she never did anything again after that. She was too afraid of uh, injuring her knee, or she... Uh, was afraid. I don't know what her real fear was, but she stayed on the couch pretty much. And that was it. She refused to do anything else. I had both my knee surgeries and I had almost no cartilage left in either knee. And then I started running distances. Wow. So I kind of had, had that mentality of, okay, this is just a thing. Like this is an obstacle. And I, I don't want to settle for, I don't want to settle for being sick. I don't want to settle for Right. for being, um, you know, I don't feel like I've lived up to my potential yet. I feel like yeah. there's more out there for me to experience, to give, to create, 
and I'm not going to stop. So, and this seems to be stopping me. This stress seems to be stopping me. This illness seems yeah. to be stopping me. This not feeling good. Like who wants to fe not feel good all the time? Right. The sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Do you think some of that was an immune response to the stress of your father's disappearance? What do you mean? Which part? What? Well, the, um, the not feeling well, um, was there, a uh, any other onset in your life physically, or do you think a lot of that can be um, attributed to those thoughts that had to go unshepherded for so long? Uh, and you may not have any connection between the two, so it's just a curiosity. Well, they didn't happen in exactly that order. So I think that um, me realizing that I wasn't, I was kind of in this constant state of not feeling good. Um, once I was able to take that third, that third view of myself, the outsider view, be like, hang on a second, this is, you're letting this go on too long. Yeah. You know, you have no energy. You're not doing the things you love anymore. Like basically it was kind of a state of depression. Mm -hmm. And when I noticed that, then I was able to turn around and face it and say, okay, either you can keep going this way or you can find another way. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Well, and how many people have had knee surgery? I know so many later <laughs> in life, but they have it so early. Were you an athlete? No, it was, that was probably my late 20s, early 30s, maybe oh. early 30s or so. Um, no, I wasn't an athlete. I was, I had started doing more. I mean, part of it too was that I got those injuries when I was in high school and I was misdiagnosed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, yeah, you had a, definitely a cavalcade of, of things going on. And so- <laughs> Very you, stubborn, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> I love how determined you are to make something new and beautiful out of your life. And that's why I'm excited about the event that you're doing. Um, when I, when I saw this on LinkedIn, I said, I, we had just met at Women of Denver, where I think you had, were you speaking that time? Or no, I was, I was just, actually a visitor this, that time. Just, yeah, <laughs> I was a visitor too. I was actually a volunteer. And, um, and I, I noticed the rebel brain on your name badge. And I said, I've got to know what you do. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a rebel. You are stubborn. You're not going to get stuck in sickness and being sick and tired of being sick and tired or being sidelined because of your knee injuries or being sidelined because of this horrific incident that happened with your family. I love that you took action and you found this woman uh, with the Neurosculpting Institute who said, hey, I have strategies for you. <laughs> That's what I do. I collect strategies because <laughs> honestly, gosh, we have to take responsibility for our own life. In like, what, am I pointing in the right direction? Yeah, always do what yep. we're afraid to do. Yeah. So buying that church, because you're using it as a photography studio, you had no idea that you'd be hosting events there. So tell us what this, this uh, half day event is on March 7th. So on March 7th, um, it's also the week of women in Colorado. So I kind of created, uh, I, well, I didn't create the class for that. But, well, I did create the class for that. Let me read back up. <laughs> um, I decided to teach this particular class for uh, the week of women uh, in Colorado. And it's a leadership for life class. And the thing about this class that I love so much is that it's not 
if you're a leader in your space, it's for, it's pretty much for everyone. Cause yeah. what, it, what we're going over in that class is how you can be a leader of yourself. Yeah. How you can show up, you know, in your community and in all spaces, there is somewhere where we are a leader. Yeah. And understanding how, um, like there's this model in there, the scarf model, uh, David Rock, who came up with it. And it's such a beautiful way of showing, um, showing us what our triggers are and things that, you know, the things that get us riled up, like, oh, you know, or you're in traffic and, uh, or, you know, somebody on the train did, oh, you know, where you get triggered by things and how we bring our own stories to that and how everybody else brings their stories in and how those can conflict. And then looking at that model and how we can, calm that stress response because what that's doing it's creating a fight or flight response in our body uh-huh. and so we can look at that event and look at that situation where we're getting triggered and calm our own reaction down we can recognize it and calm it and then the next step is seeing wait a minute that person just got triggered what can i do to calm them down so that they feel safe so that they feel like they have um a sense of uh, status or relatability or certainty around the situation so it's well, really go ahead no it's beautiful because people want to know how to help people but there's a strange tendency that we have if we don't know what to say we just pull back and disappear and that person yeah. goes on suffering and it makes me crazy my girls come home from school I hate to say every time there's a suicide, but there have been that many. Oh, geez. And they're saying, how do I comfort my friends? How mm. do I talk to a friend who I think might be at risk? And you're, you're helping people to show up better as a human. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it's really about is um, working on how we can better ourselves and how we can recognize and know ourselves and you know, take that out into the world and have more to give to the world. And I truly believe that when we can calm our stress response down, um, well, I guess this is, this is even based on neuroscience, so it doesn't have to be a belief. But, uh, we have more access to that other part of our brain, that higher part, that more human part where there, there's compassion, empathy, yes. big picture thinking, um, logic, you know, the puzzle solver, all those things that will help those kids too, that helps all of us. Because when we're in that state of depression or sadness, uh-huh. we're kind of spiraling in the circle of um, that fight or flight response in our brain. Would you say those higher functions take place more in the frontal yes. lobe? the prefrontal yeah. cortex. I know, and I try to not use all <laughs> these technical terms, but I love to geek out with my friends who know <laughs> what an amygdala is and a hippocampus and a prefrontal cortex. Exactly. I remember the time that my niece uh, she just liked to binge on neuroscience and she called up my sister her mom and she said mom i did something smart today i think my prefrontal my frontal lobe is finally closing <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> it was so cute <laughs> but um i think it's great to explain to people what's happening because then we go from i'm crazy to oh, i'm responding crazy and i know how to control that now yes yeah, it's a it's a really powerful tool. They're really powerful tools. Wow, that's so fantastic! And so when people walk away from like three hours on March seventh, they'll have some tools to take back to to their life. And you'll be there. You'll and be there. I get to. I'm so grateful that you trust me enough on intuition. <laughs> 
that um, you're going to let me bring in a little bit of life strategy design. My whole purpose for creating 360 life strategies is to help people access their whole self to get the most mind, body, spirit out of life, because that's when we're actually activating what makes us great. And that's how we can let the world have access to all we have to give. So um, like you, I have my own stuff in the background that could have stopped me. And I decided, nope, not going to do it. I'm going to put an end to it in this generation. And my kids are already way better than me. So now it's time for me to catch up with them. Uh, I love that. That's beautiful. So I curate strategies to help people to take their, their life back. So I'm excited that you're going to let me tack on there and share a little bit about life strategy design. It's really encompassing stuff like what you do. And um, I'm excited that we get to do this together. Yeah, I love that part, adding in like actual action strategies. Yeah, yeah. it's really... Well, you know, I found that um, through years and years of therapy and um, lots of different hiring coaches and all kinds of help that I have taken advantage of, if it weren't for the, the um, counselors and the um, uh, mentors in my life, I wouldn't be where I am. And I'm grateful for all of them. The thing that was missing in my life is when I'm in trouble, when I'm in, but what you described, I call the amygdala hijack. When, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. When too. I feel like my whole mind has been overcome by the stressful situation I'm in, and I don't know how to climb out. That's when I need strategies. Kind of like, you know, when you're climbing, if you like to do mountain climbing, you know, you have to have a, something to hold on to. And I think even in our minds, when we start to succumb to any kind of stress response, we need something right here that we can hold on to. I have um, this page on my phone that I call 911, and it's not the phone number. <laughs> it's <laughs> It's where I used to go to remind myself that I don't suck as a human. And I, it gives me the step-by-step play-by-play on how to get out of that slimy pit. So, yeah. yeah. I love what you said. I don't suck as a human <laughs> because all of these responses are responses to anything that's happening in our lives yeah. are normal yeah. and they're not, we're not broken. Right. We're, we're trying to navigate. We're trying to figure out, you know, how to get to the next, the next step or the next level or the next breath. Yeah, exactly. And some people are taught that through a really happy, resilient household and others just didn't get that teaching. And we just need, we need help. I remember um, one time this thing happened at work that was really strange. Someone submitted a complaint about me that had nothing to do with me. Yet, it seemed from my boss's point of view and his boss's point of view that it was Donna's fault. <laughs> you know, like, oh, corporate. How is it possible for human beings to, to make a judgment like that without mm -hmm. actually asking for all the facts? And I started to feel like maybe there was something fundamentally wrong with me that I didn't see clearly. And what I didn't see clearly is that humans have things fundamentally wrong with their logic sequence. <laughs> And, and, and all of us experience life that's unfair. And on the beautiful other side of that, I realized oh, my freedom from that position was such an open gate for me to live my life as by design. So 
Nice. We're not here to talk about me, but I'm excited that you have something that can help somebody get on the other side of that gate. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. I really, it's, yeah, it's been really incredible creating this business, The Rebel Brain, and the programs and offerings and workshops that I have, uh, and then seeing people succeed. Yeah. And seeing the aha moments and the relief and the calm that comes with it. It's just, it fills me up. It's really... Yeah. Because I know how powerful it's been in my life right. and to see it transform other people just really, it's like, I'm on the right track. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're doing something good and it's not going to be perfect, but we're going to do something awesome on March 7th. So go yes. to the rebelbrain.com. Make sure you put the W's in. Um, <laughs> rebelbrain.com backslash events, women's leadership for life class. Yep. You'll see the women's leadership for life and, and I'll be there and Mariah will be there. And I hope we're going to see a lot of women who are ready to experience yeah. a whole new side of their broken brain. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so oh, much, Donna. Thank you. Well, what else do you need to know? If you want to register for this neurosculpting workshop on Saturday, March 7th, Go to therebelbrain.com. Yes, put the W's in there, www.therebelbrain.com. And check on events. You will find the, the link to sign up. Hey, what's the worst that can happen if you spend half a day and 40-something dollars on a little bit of new information? But it could actually change your life. See you there.